Well, greetings, folks. A very happy new year to you. Happy 2021, the the year that answers it all, the, the best year yet, all those great things. Well, we're certainly looking forward to getting back into travel ASAP. But in the meantime, let's go over some more camera tips. We are talking all about composition today. Let's go ahead and begin. Welcome to season two of The Wild Photographer with Court Whalen. Simply put, composition is king. It is so critical that your ending photo have great composition. And the, the reason I say ending photo is that with this new era of, well, it's no longer really new, but the modern era of digital cameras and especially photo processing with things like Photoshop and Lightroom, we can crop photos to get better composition as well. Back in the day, you're really quite restricted by the, the type of crops you could do. Nowadays, you can crop in any aspect ratio at all. We're going to talk about that today as well. But um, what I mean by your ending photo is that you try to get it in camera and all the tools when we talk about in the first part of this episode today is going to be getting the shot in camera. But of course, there are different cropping techniques that you can use with the techniques I tell you about today, like the rule of thirds, like the phi grid, right? Like the golden ratio. And you can do the same thing really once you've taken the shot. If you have room to crop, you can do so after the fact. Nevertheless, ending photo, great composition, absolutely critical. It helps tremendously, especially if you're finding key parts of the scene to include where to do so in your shot. Um, so yeah, lots of things to talk about today. Let's go ahead and get right into it. We're going to start off with some of the general rules of composition, and then we'll talk about how to break them and, and really when to break them. Remember, all rules are really meant to be broken, uh, but starting off with the rules in your mind, in camera, is a wonderful way to begin getting great composition. It's a great way to practice. It's a great way to get the final form of the photo that you want, to get all that artistic vibe you want, to really make your photo pop. That initial first impression is so darn important with photography. It's getting more and more competitive, whether you are an amateur photographer, a semi-pro, a true professional. Getting that initial impression is so important today. So the first thing we're going to talk about is a very classic rule. Chances are you may have heard about it before. It's known as the rule of thirds. If you start anywhere, start with the rule of thirds. It's the easiest. It's the simplest. It's, it's one of the most important. So to get the rule of thirds, imagine a tic-tac-toe board over your viewfinder. So depending on what camera you have, you might have different aspect ratios. You might have a two to three, um, kind of a rectangular. You might have more of a square if you have more of a, a basic point and shoot, like a four to five ratio. Nevertheless, imagine a tic-tac-toe board overlaying your screen, your LCD screen, or in your viewfinder. In fact, many cameras nowadays, especially with digital viewfinders, you can toggle a little rule of thirds grid on and off of your, your digital screen. I highly recommend if you do not use this feature, start doing so right away. You can find it in your camera's manual. Usually you have to go somewhere in the, the menu of your camera to get to like digital display. Again, rule thirds grid or just thirds grid on and off. Turn it on. You're going to see that grid. Here's how to use it. So there are a few ways to use the rule of thirds grid. The first is just breaking your scene simply into thirds. That means thirds left to right, thirds top to bottom, or bottom to top, right to left, just thirds on both axes. So what you're going to do with this is instead of putting things, essentially, you know, you're resisting the, the temptation to put your subject or the horizon or that sunset or that tree smack dab in the middle of your photo. Now, there are times to break this rule. We'll talk about this. I think sometimes symmetry and exaggerated composition can, can often uh, be a great time to break the rule. But generally, you don't want to have your scene bisected into halves, left to right, top to bottom. You want to bisect it into thirds or trisected, I guess. Is that a word? Yeah, sure it is now. So 
split your scene into thirds rather than halves. In addition, what you're going to notice with that tic-tac-toe board on your screen is you're going to have four intersecting points where those uh, top to bottom, left to right lines intersect. Those are of special significance. So the first thing you're going to do, break it into thirds in some way, shape, or form. The next thing is if you do have a subject or something prominent in your scene, it might be the sun from a sunrise. It might be a tree in that mountain landscape. It might be an animal, a polar bear on the tundra. You're usually going to want to put that animal or that subject at one of those four intersecting points. What that does is it offsets it a little bit to the left, a little bit to the top, or a little bit to the bottom, a little bit to the right. You have four choices. Now, the thing is, is that there's a lot of artistic impression that really comes with photography. You have a lot of artistic license that you can use, and you want to be the artist. You want to do your own thing. However, starting with this, and in some ways not really thinking too much, just always putting it in one of those four areas, is going to give you your best shot right out of the camera. Simply put. So once you have your subject in that scene in one of those four points, you might be wondering, well, it's an animal or it's a person. Which way should I have it looking? Another general rule of composition is you want to have that person, that subject, that animal, that wildlife, whatever, looking into the open space. Meaning if you have your, let's go back to the polar bear example on the tundra, you're going to put it on one of those four intersecting points. Let's say you're going to put it on that top left. Therefore, it's on the left side of the screen. You have two thirds of open screen to the right. You want to have that polar bear looking to the right, looking to that larger open space, not to the left where it's a very sliver fraction of the frame, but to the right into the open space. Now, of course, you can't tell the polar bear to look left and right. What you have to do as the genius behind composition is you have to set up your frame so that way it is looking into that open space. So let's say it's looking to the left. What are you going to do? You're probably going to put that polar bear on that right intersecting point or one of the two right intersecting points. Therefore, as it's looking to the left, it's looking towards the open space. Very simple, very powerful. Start with that. If you're going to do some artistic stuff afterwards, at least start with the rule and then break it, but then learn why and when to break it. So the next rule is known as the golden rule, golden ratio, Fibonacci spiral, Fibonacci sequence. All of these things kind of mean the same thing. Basically, the Fibonacci sequence is a set of numbers you can look it up, you can Google it. It's a, it's a mathematical formula in repetition, sort of into infinity, where the previous two numbers added together make the next number. Um, that's not any sort of genius mathematical formula, but what, what is genius, what is really fascinating about it is that this ratio of 1 to 1.6, meaning the ratio of those two previous numbers to the next number, uh, is about 1 to 1.6. And we find this ratio of composition in nature everywhere. I don't mean in nature like when you're setting up to take a photo of a mountain or a tree. I mean when we see like the double helix of a DNA strand, when we see the venation of a leaf, when we see the pattern of scales on a fish, when we see the way that leaves grow on a tree, you can actually use these numbers, this sequence, this golden rule to define the pattern that nature makes. So what this is all basically boiling down to is that nature has defined the importance of this formula. It's like innate in our body, again, all the way down to the patterns of our DNA. So naturally, we have some sort of affinity to it. We have some sort of proclivity to this ratio, and it actually has a really, really powerful way to translate into photography. So here's how it goes. 
The most common way to use a Fibonacci sequence or the golden ratio in photography is to imagine a Nautilus shell. And again, this being a podcast, I wish I could, I would love to show you a photo of this, but you can Google it afterwards. It's basically a big Nautilus shell with that spiral kind of concentric circles all the way to the middle going over and over and over in circles until it goes into really oblivion. It just never stops making circles. So what this is, is this is the golden spiral, the golden rule, golden ratio. If you can, when you are taking your photos, especially on the, you know, on the computer after the fact, if you can imagine this spiral, you'd be amazed how perfectly it overlays to really, really good photographs. It actually translates into the rule of thirds and it translates into the phi grid. But basically you'll notice that this spiral, this golden ratio is a way to really, really get next level composition. So again, this is not something I want to continue trying to describe with words. I want you to look it up. I want you to research a little bit on your own. Look at what the golden spiral or golden ratio is. And you'll find if you can overlay this ratio, overlay this, this nautilus shell, so to speak, on some of your favorite photos, you'll start to see exactly why the rule of thirds is so important. So really, more than anything, a Fibonacci spiral is a great way, a mathematical way of explaining why there is, there's actually mathematics behind aesthetics. We think that we're all artsy and all creative and all, you know, amazingly clever with, oh, this is a great photo because it was my vision. Really, it just comes down to these, these sequences, these numbers, these mathematics. And we find simple ways of expressing it via things like the rule of thirds and the phi grid. But it all comes down to that golden ratio. Look it up, learn some more, see if you can use it in your own photography. The next thing is known as the Phi Grid, P-H-I. And this is, uh, you know, in my research, in my learnings of photography, it's a little bit newer for me, but it's still based off of that golden rule. It's still based off of the rule of thirds. This is a very simple one to explain. So going back to the rule of thirds, remember we have this tic-tac-toe board. Imagine all the lines being squished towards the center, just a fraction more. So instead of nine equal size boxes, or instead of those lines being exactly thirds, what you have is you have them a little bit more narrow in the middle, almost like a crosshair of a, of a, of a, of a scope. What it essentially does is it says, when you are placing those things on those intersecting points, when you are dividing your scenes into thirds, you might actually look at this phi grid to break it down into a slightly different ratio. So remember, when you're breaking the thirds, it's not so much third, 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 but a larger space, skinny space, and larger space. And that goes from left to right and top to bottom. Um, again, a lot of this is going to come down to just, you know, doing the rule of thirds, starting with that, and then tweaking slightly based on your scene. For nature and wildlife photography, we're always tweaking the scene. We're always breaking the rules a little bit to fit the tree, to fit the mountain, to fit the bear, to fit the bird. You know, nature isn't handing us this perfect layup every single time. But the phi grid, there's some research out there that says actually aesthetics, our eyes, the way we can interpret this golden rule actually has these thirds broken into a little bit more of a narrow middle point. So again, use it as you will. I recommend just starting with the rule of thirds, but as you uh, progress in your photography, you might notice the phi grid playing a role. And again, the, the easiest way is to start looking online and overlaying some of these grids onto your own photographs as you process them in post-processing. Photoshop, Lightroom, Bridge, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so now we get to when to break the rules. So the first way I like to break the rule is via exaggerated composition. So oftentimes I do this when I have a big, big landscape scene and some sort of interesting smaller subject. So I'm imagining a photo I took in Yellowstone a few years ago and I have this beautiful bull 
uh, elk sitting in a huge meadow with massive grassland between it and the mountains and then layers and rows and layers of mountains behind it. So it's a big, big scene. And I want to show that depth. I want to show that size. But I also want to feature this elk because it's just majestic elk, perfect lighting. And so what I do is I actually put this elk in the very, very corner of my scene. So essentially this elk is taking up the entire bottom left-hand little square of my tic-tac-toe board. But it's not on one of those intersecting points. In fact, it's almost touching the corners. And I'm doing this in sort of my own clever and creative way because I want to show that exaggerated composition. I want to show that this is a big animal, but it's an even bigger landscape. I do this with people at times. I do this with vehicles. It's a great travel photography technique. So exaggerated composition, it's essentially showing this massive landscape or this minimalist view of nature, of wildlife, and otherwise very, very big world. So exaggerated composition, a really, really good technique. The other technique is I will break the rules and I'll put something in the dead middle of the frame. Um, usually I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, it, it makes it less aesthetic, less interesting. The viewer will, you know, swipe, uh, swipe left. They'll, they'll move on from the photo. They're not going to be very intrigued or mesmerized. They're not going to be impacted by the photo as much as if you do use the rule of thirds or one of these other techniques. But sometimes symmetry can be your friend and putting that animal, that person, that vehicle, that, that landscape feature in the dead middle of the frame. If you, as you're looking at the scene, notice some extremely interesting symmetry going on. Now, I'm not the person here to try to paint the picture and describe each and every possibility of this, but sometimes trees with beautiful bows and limbs and branches that make this really unique symmetry in the left and right and top to bottom, uh, harnessing that, flowers, big radiated flowers, um, sunrises, we can get the sunburst in the middle, um, sometimes leaves and insects in macro photography. If it's a powerful enough subject, if it's got some symmetry to it, putting it dead middle of the frame can actually be quite interesting. So don't hesitate from that. The best way for you to figure out whether you like it or don't like it is to practice. We all have digital cameras these days with almost infinite memory. Um, you know, try to take a shot using the rule of thirds offsetting the subject and then try to take the same shot dead mold in the frame. You can review on your computer, you can look at them side by side, and you'll probably figure out pretty quickly whether that dead middle of the shot works or not. But again, usually when I do find that it's a better shot, when I do that dead middle of the frame, it's because there's some sort of inherent symmetry going on with the petals of the flower, with the venation of the leaf, et cetera, et cetera. The, the examples are almost limitless. So as we uh, move on from these quintessential rules, again, the rule of thirds being the most important in my mind and these, these spirals and these five grids being sort of uh, explanations of the rule, um, we're going to a totally different subject. It's known as leading lines. And this is something that I usually use in addition to traditional compositional rules like the rule of thirds. Uh, if I can set my frame up with the rule of thirds, boom, the overall frame is nice nice and pleasing, it's impactful. But if I can add a leading line element, that is another way to make my photo, uh, take it from good to great, so to speak. And what a leading line basically is, very, very simply, is that it is a line that is either natural and man-made, some sort of line, like literally, it might be a row of bushes, it might be a tree trunk, it might be a railroad, and it is a line that helps the viewer direct his or her eyes to what you're really trying to showcase in the scene. So a classic example I have, I'm imagining a photo I took a few years ago in Alaska of the Alaska Railway, and there's this beautiful mountain scene, and there's a train off in the distance, and in the bottom left of my frame, I have a big railroad kind of at a diagonal cutting through the frame. The mountains at the top are at a diagonal as well, cutting through the frame 
all funneling towards the train itself in the distance. I'm trying to get your eyes to start following these leading lines into the distance to find that train. It's really just a technique to, again, up your photo one additional level by incorporating that. Another classic example is by using rivers. Um, I love winding rivers that go off into the distance. And in some cases, if I'm trying to showcase a big, deep scene, a big landscape, massive mountains or huge valley, and I find that river, I'll put the widest part of the river on the bottom and I'll use the leading line of that river to kind of funnel your view as a viewer off into the distance. It doesn't, there's no perfect way of doing it. You don't have to have a squiggly river or a straight river, but if you can use that river to point into the distance, maybe there's a distant mountain range that you're really trying to feature, or maybe there's a beautiful tree or perhaps maybe even some sort of wildlife uh, in the distance. If you can use the leading line of that river, a natural landscape element, it's going to really, really improve your shot. Leading lines are great. And, you know, probably more often I use leading lines in a way that I find some sort of human element of the landscape, a railroad. Maybe I use a, a railing of a, of a stairway or a railing of a ship or a dining room table. I'll use that line, put it in the frame to direct the viewer's eyes to my subject. Leading lines. Sometimes arches are a really great way to do that. Arches of bridges, arches in natural landscapes like rock arches. There's a lot that can be done. I'm thinking of a photo a few years ago that I took of a big iceberg that had an arch in it. And at one end of the arch, almost kind of like pot of gold, then the rainbow, I have a kayaker. And again, you know, it's very, very subtle. This is where the artistry really comes in and adding as many interesting elements as you can. Just using that arch and positioning yourself or waiting to take the photo until that kayaker is exactly at the bottom at one of the ends of the arch, it makes your photo just that much better. Not necessary, not as critical as things like the rule of thirds, but it is another next level technique. So when it comes down to the ultimate technique of using composition, the the main thing is get really used to seeing scenes with these rules in mind. So again, uh, you know, do some research on the Fibonacci spiral. If you can imagine that Nautilus shell over your scene, you are better than I am. I, I can't really do that very easily. Usually it's, you know, again, the Fibonacci is just a, a great mathematical explanation as to why the rule of thirds and why that slightly more compressed rule of thirds, the phi grid, makes so much sense for mathematics and aesthetics. But if you can imagine that rule of thirds grid over your scene, or if you toggle that on your digital viewfinder, um, even smartphones have that ability, you're really going to be a lot better off. But one of the other key considerations to make is how to achieve rock solid focus while also getting great composition. So if you're like me, you may have your autofocus point in the dead center of your frame. What that does, I I like this because I can routinely and without much thought achieve perfect focus each and every time because I know the camera is going to focus on that dead middle square. It's not going to move around. I'm not letting the camera choose on the left side or the right side or, you know, any one of the 49 different autofocus points. It's always going to be that dead middle precise. However, if you can imagine, if my focus point is always dead middle, you're probably thinking, Court, doesn't that mean your animal, your tree, your mountain is always going to be the dead middle of your frame, not the rule of thirds? Yes, it does. So here's the trick. And you may already know this, but if you don't, this is going to be game-changing, mind-blowing for you. Uh, what you want to do, if you set that center point autofocus, you hold your shutter halfway down to focus on that center subject. By holding the shutter halfway down, you're locking in focus. Then you can move, you can recompose the shot, depress the shutter the rest of the way, and then it actually takes the photo. So a, a multi-step process, focus, hold the shutter halfway, 
Usually you, you either hear a little beep or you see that center autofocus point go a little bit red for a second and then recompose the shot using the grid, using your creativity, finding the leading lines, and then press the shutter all the way to take the shot and it will lock in. It'll keep that focus that you set previously. Big, huge stuff. Very, very important for photography. So the final thing we're going to talk about today is aspect ratio. And this is quite interesting. Most people do not think much about it. So here's the deal. Cameras way back in the day were all essentially a three to two ratio. Um, that means that you have essentially three units from left to right and two units from top to bottom, meaning it's going to be more of a rectangle, an elongated left to right uh, kind of like how a movie, uh, movie screen, a movie theater would be, a TV, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the idea was is that this ratio of 3 to 2 was believed to be most like what our two eyes naturally saw, so more natural. So since then, a few other ratios have come out. You have a 4 to 3 ratio, you have a 5 to 4 ratio, and others. Uh, as you notice, as those numbers are getting bigger and, and closer together, like 5 to 4 is almost a square, basically. So there, you know, as you get those ratios, you can see a lot of cameras allow you to set your own ratio, um, even if it's default at 3 to 2. Uh, be careful of that because as you go more square, you're getting less and less what your eyes actually see. So there's a little bit of distortion or maybe, you know, something a little bit unnatural from your photo. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm actually a big fan of what is known as the one-to-one -one ratio or indeed a proper square. It is nothing like what our eyes see naturally. However, it is quite photogenic. It's great for showcasing those dead middle of the frame shots. So if you have something that you want to feature in the dead middle, it has, you know, some interesting symmetry to it. Square can be quite unique. In addition, square crops are featured on a lot of social media platforms. It maximizes the screen. I'm not exactly sure why they did it, but I, I think it's because the photo can be as big as possible on our sort of uh, phones with buttons and whatnot. Nevertheless, one-to-one -one ratio is another thing to consider. But here's the biggest thing is there's Growing evidence that, in fact, a 16 to 9 crop might be even more accurate as to what our eyes naturally see. That ratio of 16 to 9 instead of 3 to 2 might be the most pleasing, the most natural, the most uh, impressive, uh, leave the biggest impression to the viewer most quickly. So you might want to consider that. I wouldn't recommend setting your camera itself to take the photo in 16 by 9, but what I'll encourage you to do as you're processing your photos next time you sit down at the computer, think about in that little crop drop-down menu, cropping at a 16 to 9 ratio. Usually it's more of like a left to right uh, landscape orientation. You know, you might be wondering, well, yeah, 16 by 9, that's the same ratio as my TV in my living room, right? Exactly. And so this is where all that research, all that science comes in. The movie folks got it right. So it's worth experimenting with your photos to see if that 16 by 9 ratio looks appealing in that landscape orientation. Uh, I do this with big landscapes, some scenes with big wildlife, you know, you name it. There are there are some scenes that I don't do that for. It's not unequivocal. I mean, I'm still not sold that it's the best way to do it versus three to two, but it's another way to do it. And there are certain scenes where it is definitely more pleasing. So think about that next time you are cropping on the computer. So friends, there you have it. It's all about composition. We talked about the rules, the rule of thirds, the mathematics behind it with this golden ratio and Fibonacci spiral and sequence. I highly recommend if you're if you're a nerd like me and you want to read up more on that, just a quick Google search will give you a, a lot more visuals and more information that I've shared here. Uh, and then of course, the Figrid, this, this new kid on the block, so to speak, of, of a new way to compose your photos with a little bit more compressed, squeezed in grid. We also talk about 
about technique with that center point autofocus and holding the shutter down halfway. And then last but not least, we finish off with this new idea of a new type of aspect ratio, the 16 by 9 crop. Use it, try it, experiment with it. Get out there, give it a shot, see how you like it, and we'll see you next time. That's all about composition, folks. Be well. Cheers. Cheers.